Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Okay, Blue White Breakdown time. Bob Flounders, Dave Jones, Penn State at Northwestern. Uh, Evanston, Illinois, early kick for the Lions and Northwestern, 11 a.m. out there. Dave, who are you picking this week? Yeah. You want to stick it to me some more? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> hey, they just had a big win. They just had a big win over a pretty nice little program. Golden Gophers. <laughs> Anything can happen in this league. Anything can happen, so... Uh, did you watch? You didn't watch the Minnesota ending? First of all, 21 nothing to start, 31-10 <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Did you watch the whole game? The, the entire tape is available on YouTube. I, I watched a lot of the second half just to get the feel for where it was. Then I just talked to Louis Vache, uh, the, the inside NU guy, uh, yesterday, and he was like setting the scene. But you can see it on the, on the tape. There is nobody there. You remember when, well, you didn't go to a football school. The, the funny thing about football games like that that are over and the home team is losing, and it's very obvious, is the last student fans who are there are the incoming freshmen because they don't have any place to go. They don't really have any friends yet. They've only been there three weeks. And they're usually the last ones hanging out because they don't have any plans. They don't have anything to do. They had this special uh, run the field promotion for freshmen every year at Northwestern. You get to go down there and run run the length of the field. And they, plus, they're not really athletically inclined Northwestern students, and they're spastically running down the field. And, and this is great. Yay, sports. And then Louis said they all left like 10 minutes into the game to, you know, probably go study. And by the end of the game, he said there were like three rows of freshmen, like 18 people left in the stands because it was 31 to 10 Minnesota. They had just busted a big, long 42-yard run on a fourth and one. Um, by the way, Minnesota's back is Darius Taylor. He is seriously good. He went right through Bryce Call Gallagher, Northwestern's uh, middle linebacker, went through him and bounced threw him and went to the end zone. Looks like it's the game is over. There are probably there's a countable crowd left in in Ryan Field. There can't be more than 2000 people there. And they start on this comeback. I mean, they had there was no reason they should have been able to come back from this game. No one believed in them clearly. Even the freshmen had left. And they started on this comeback from 21 points down and Ben Bryant, their transfer quarterback from Cincinnati, via Eastern Michigan, where he, is, he won for Chris Creighton and he, and he won uh, for Luke Fickle. And, and he, he's used to winning, unlike the rest of these guys. 
And he just started flinging it around, flinging it around all over the place. And they've got this little tiny wideout named Bryce Kurtz. And they got A.J. Henning, too, uh, from Michigan. Remember him? Yeah. And Kurtz caught like 215 yards worth of passes. <laughs> and Minnesota, it was the classic story of Minnesota, like, switching the power off. And we got this. And then they didn't have it. And it gets it goes into overtime. And Northwestern wins out of nowhere, 37-34. And, you know, the West is up for grabs. Minnesota was as good a, Minnesota was as good a guess to win that division as anyone. I mean, is, is, is Iowa better than they are? I don't know. Wisconsin's probably the best team. But, I mean, this really hurts them. They already had the win over Nebraska uh, in week one. And it just kills him. And PJ Fleck after the game was just, just disconsolate. Just couldn't. <laughs> he, he, he made some faces where he was just looked like he was about to cry. It was like an encounter session. It was, it was something. It was a scene. Rich Scarcella mentioned the. You remember the sickly Smythe division in the NHL back in the in the seventies, where nobody had a winning record, but somebody had to make the playoffs. It's it's kind of like that. Uh, but David Braun, their new head coach, their interim head coach who took over for Pat Fitzgerald, is a story in himself. I mean, the the kid, he's 38. He's the youngest coach in the Big Ten, a lot like Pat was back in 2006 or whenever that was. And Pat, don't forget, was the second longest tenured coach in the Big Ten to Ferentz. Uh, so this has been one very continuous uh, uh, regime there. And all of a sudden this kid who's never been a head coach at any level has never even coached in FBS is thrown into this role. He was at North Dakota state, uh, grew up in Wisconsin. So he knows the big 10 and he's done an incredible job pulling together this bunch of mutts because they're not very good. I mean, they're just not, they're small and slow and Northwestern's won one game in the Big Ten three of the last four years, and that's the talent they have. But he's done a hell of a job, and maybe he's the right choice to coach them going forward. I don't know. Something about the the atmosphere out there. Maybe it's the early start. There, I just you know last year's Penn State team. It was at Beaver Stadium, rain game, seventeen seven. Didn't look great. I remember that two thousand and five game, Dave, where Penn State won the Big Ten. <laughs> They were in deep water against the Northwestern team. That was just—I mean, it was—they had some players, but they had to—they had to really come back to win that game, thirty-four twenty-nine. I think it was that, like, that quarterback's an NFL coach, isn't he now? The assistant? He might be. There's been so—I get Northwestern quarterbacks confused with Wisconsin quarterbacks because they're all kind of the same guy, and they—they they make plays, and then there's other games where they stink. So I just—I I do remember about that game, though, Dave. Penn State needed to com- convert a fourth and fifteen, and then they found the touchdown pass to uh, to Derek Williams. But Northwestern's offense just kept—they were hard to stop. They just had to keep settling for field goals, and that was the kind of game where you know if you're not really really focused, they're going to hang around. I don't know that it, that's going to be a problem with this Penn State team, but you know Northwestern will give it their best shot. They definitely will, and you just don't know. That's the takeaway from that Minnesota game. I mean, nobody, nobody believed that these guys could do it except them. That's a cliche that you hear players and coaches saying, no one believed that we did. But this is absolutely true. I mean, these people were, they're, they're not serious football fans. They're, 
they were going home to get wine and salsa <laughs> and you know brie, nice brie tray and nibble and and talk about politics. That's what they're into. They go they go to the game as kind of a, a little thing to do on Saturday. They, 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 and you know they're still they're still building that giant stadium. I mean, it's not a giant stadium, but it's a really nice stadium. Um, they're completely redoing Ryan Field because they have a very uh, generous benefactor in Pat Ryan. So he's still on board and I guess they're still going to do it, but it's really an outlier in the big 10. They can't get in the kids that other schools can academically. And these days, man, your donors better, better step up with NIL and just pay them. Um, David Shaw quit at Stanford because this age just got so difficult for him to get transfers in. That's another thing. I mean, it's really tough with the portal to do at Northwestern or Vanderbilt or Stanford, what other schools do because the academic standards are so they, they won't take the credits of other schools and the, the people in the administrations just won't budge. These are private schools. Uh, so it's, that's the real challenge. Um, I don't know how you surmount it, but David Braun is a really impressive kid. I, I saw him on with Dave Revson and Wani. Wani, the, the dichotomy between Wani, the Pittsburgh guy, saying, I want to know how you how you did it. How'd you do it? <laughs> and and he, he's got one he's got one hell of a mustache, Wani. That's <laughs> just like an overstuffed caterpillar that's just attached yeah. and it's moving as he talks. <laughs> It's invading your personal space. Former Cowboys defensive coordinator on the 92 Super Bowl team, but shout out, shout out that. He's straight Baldwin, man, that guy. He, uh, he's, <laughs> a, he's straight out of the Berg, the Berg. Dave, so you, just real quick, you mentioned Northwestern. From the Penn State fan perspective, you know, for a lot of Penn State fans, you look at that game every year when it's out there, and, you know, it's not, it's not a marquee game, but I think it's a marquee uh, trip. Place to trip to go. Oh, yeah. I'm curious how I think it should be a nice representation of Penn State fans for a lot of reasons. It's it's really affordable if if you're on the East Coast to get to Chicago, and Evanston is right by the airport. It's it's going to be an early start. I mean, if you make it, you get you get in there a day early at this time of year. The weather's going to be nice enough. I I just think you know there's very few places I think I would rather visit than maybe that area for a Big Ten game, regardless regardless of the result. I, I wonder how many Penn State fans are going to go because they're going to have the run of the stadium. And only, it only there's only 40,000 people <laughs> they can cram in there, but I, I would expect there'll be a lot of Penn State fans. You know, Penn State fans are pretty football-centric, but I think they're a little more eclectic than, say, Ohio State fans. They're more like Michigan fans, Penn State fans. Like they'll go to a venue if they think they could have a little fun and, you know, maybe get some culture. Those are the Michigan fans, not the Penn State. But, but you remember when I told you when you got on the beat in 02 that the one place you had to go was Chicago? I know. You know killing me? These 11 a.m. kicks are killing me, Dave. They're killing me. They're killing me. They're killing me. You can't They're killing me, Whitey. Get in early enough that the day before, but I mean, 11 a.m., Joe Herman's going to want to be at that stadium at 4.30 in the morning. Really kind of get up there by 4.30, yeah. <laughs> so, but it is it really is a great trip if you're a fan because Evanston is not far from downtown Chicago. Evanston in itself is a fun place. I just think 
there's only a couple of places I would choose over over maybe that trip, especially at this time of year. If it was in November, I'd say, I don't know, maybe, maybe don't freeze to death. But this is a good this is a good trip. And I hope that there's a lot of Penn State fans out there. I ranked the Big Ten venues, the Big Ten road trips. I don't know, probably five years ago, I did a, when, when we were doing listicles. Yeah, you had Purdue one, Rutgers two, <laughs> right? Indiana three. <laughs> People didn't understand the concept and they started mocking me. And it was the most and least fun road trips in the Big Ten. This is what I named it by someone who, who's done them a lot. Nice and, tight headline. I love it. Yeah. Go ahead. And I've done them a lot. And I ranked Northwestern second because of Chicago, but not only because of Chicago, but because that little neighborhood around it's it, the stadium set in a neighborhood, and you're not like but Mustard's Last Stand. There, Mustard's Last Stand is probably the best junk yeah. food place in the Big Ten. Yeah. So and let's it, tell the tell the fans if they're going to go to the game that where to, where to go, what what to expect, and it's really. Uh, a very authentic, original spot that you really don't find in a lot of college football stadiums. Outside the stadium, it's in the it's like in the parking lot. Yeah, it's in the parking lot of the stadium, which makes it real convenient. It's not really about the game day atmosphere there per se. It's kind of like, you know, because Northwestern's a private school. But if you're going to suggest any Big Ten weekend, it's got to be one of the first places you'd list um, because the – there's lots of walking area on um, what? What is the name of that street? I can't think of the the main drag. I mean, you walk like two blocks from the stadium, and it's this nice leafy neighborhood. You could just if you you get a, a a giant sausage sandwich with with brown mustard or two or five, as I've done at Mustard's Last Stand. You know, at, at, at in, in the morning, and you get yourself a coffee, and it's. It's typical Chicago weather. It's a little chilly, maybe cloudy. And you, you you take a walk afterward. You can walk for like 15 blocks without it, – it's like in a neighborhood. It's a lot like right next to Beaver Stadium where uh, Joe Paterno used to live around in there. I mean, it's right there. And that that isn't true of a lot of places in the Big Ten. It's not true uh, – certainly not true at Ohio State. I guess Iowa, That's it's, it's a lot like Iowa. My favorite trip in the Big Ten is Wisconsin – and then Northwestern right after it. I'm sorry I'm not going to this one because I love Chicago and I love I love that venue. And then, like you said, you go in the stadium and you, you can have the run of it if you're a Penn State fan because they just they just don't care that much. It's like Ohio State fans driving out to Bloomington and they take over Memorial Stadium. They do it every year. They it's a home game. So considering the flight, um, you know, the, the problem is that Penn State fans used to drive to places like this. And if you could drive to, to Evanston, that would be like ideal. So people don't want to fly these days, but it is a cheap flight to Chicago. It's a great trip. Tell me if this is accurate. So for older Penn State fans who are listening or watching this, I think how you described the Evanston area around Ryan Field is, is spot on. I think the time of year is great early fall. It it's it's almost like and I think I'm right about this. It's almost like Faber College without the deltas and John Belushi. It's it's actually very nice and scenic. It was just that fraternity and the deathmobile just kind of ruined things for the nice polite kids, but the rest of it was fantastic. Am I right? And and 
there's no rule that you can't go to Wrigleyville or Clark Street or all the other places or all the other places or Lincoln, Lincoln Park that you can go to in Chicago. There's no rule against that. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess we should mention Ben Bryant, their transfer quarterback, a little more because their coordinator has kind of been conservative, I guess, because they're trying to get their footing and they've got to stay in games and shorten games. And he's running the ball a lot. But I think they could be in just what the hell mode at this point. Why not? So Mike Bajakian, who was an NFL uh, quarterback coach somewhere, where was he? Remember that? How do you spell that last name? I bet you can't. B-A-J. A.K. You know, it's uh, Bajakian. It's uh, Lebanese, <laughs> right? Lebanese? Is that what that is? I don't know. Hey, so no, Northwestern is just, they're, they're going to be, in almost every game, they're out-athleted. But, you know, yeah. with the Especially scheme, this the time of day, you know, it's, I just, here's, the, here's my, my thing about this Penn State team is this would be a game where you would say, hey, they put a lot in to that, that whiteout game. They really, really wanted to put it to the Hawkeyes, they're getting a lot of credit for how well they played, especially and, and deservedly so. But the, the problem with Penn State maybe taking their foot off the gas this year is that their second team is so good that I think other than a few players, you know, Penn State's got a lot of options. If somebody is not bringing their A game, they can just turn to their third or fourth safety or they could put in a couple other offensive linemen or their third tight end or you know, they got Trey Potts in the backfield, who has the number three option at, as a running back, is is kind of a nightmare. So I just, I don't know, you know, I just think that it's going to be tough for Penn State to get caught off guard because the coaching staff just can put other players in if they're not happy with the way things are going. Early. And, and that's a dynamic. That's a really good point because that is a dynamic on every team with depth. Right. If you're not going to do the job, someone's there to not, not only – not only take over, but take your job, maybe. I mean, that's that's very possible. It's really hard for a team that's going up against Penn State, maybe in a vulnerable position, is you better be careful because you get the first team out of the game. Now you got a really motivated second team that's trying to get the coaching staff's attention. Now, there, there is, if you look at the manpower discrepancy in this game, there is absolutely no way Penn State should lose the game, whether it's an emotional hammock game or not. Northwestern's defense, especially, they can't stop the run. They're 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 small and slow by Big Ten standards, and their two best players are a couple of plugger 
uh, inside linebackers, Xander Mueller, who I saw. I'm telling you, it's probably the best blitz pickup I've seen in years. And he was the I, one getting picked up? Uh, Ian Mueller was the one getting picked up, unfortunately. And Kyle, Kyle Manongai in the opener for both teams. Who I don't know if you've seen Manongai, but he got, he got. I remember him. I remember he's played against Penn State. Yeah, well, he's gotten better. He's gotten stronger. Mm-hmm. And Michigan uh, swamped him because they're Michigan and they can't block Michigan last week. But he's had two or three really games, good games in a row. And I know how much you like running backs who pick up blitzes. This was an. This wasn't just a pickup. I mean, Xander Mueller came in there as fast as he's capable, and Manongai met him and drove him back. It was a pancake pickup block, uh, which I don't know that I've ever seen. He drove him back on his, onto his back. And then he blocked him again on a touchdown going in the end zone for uh, um, Gavin Wimsatt, their quarterback. Uh, so what I'm getting at is that Gallagher and Mueller, while they're pluggers and they're really good functional players, they're just not quick enough or fast enough to handle a team with athletes like Penn State. And they haven't defended the run at all. So this looks like a bad matchup as far as the rosters in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, the line, I, I checked it today. It opened it opened like closer to three touchdowns, and then it shot up to 26 pretty quickly. I think it's at 27 now. Um, you know, it, it certainly feels right to me. Penn State has a couple of things they need to work on. One of them is there's no there's no way to – sugarcoat it I'm not quite sure what the deal is with Nicholas Singleton right now he just everyone is everyone just associates that first year as well he's well if he was like that as a freshman what's he going to be like in in 2023 but you know the other side of that Dave is that you know teams and defensive coordinators they've had a chance to look at him and what he does best and what he doesn't do best and the big play element has just been missing from his game and after four games, especially the last three against teams that, you know, Illinois was a good defense, but, you know, Delaware and, you know, Iowa, Iowa got worn out, but they still didn't give up many, many long gains. I just, I don't know. I don't know what's, he's almost become more valuable in the passing game because they can get him the ball in space. But I, I think right now Katron is the, is, is the better option um, in a lot of areas, and it's I, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what, but I don't know if we're going to see a two. You know, I don't know if we're going to see the, the the breakout month from him. I think he's certainly talented enough to do it, but you know, a lot of those carries of two and three yards, it's it's you know they they he, they get in bad spots on offense when they can't get five or six yards of carry with those guys. I think Allen, and I think you do too, is more built for power running inside zone running and he he showed it against Iowa he's shown it this season Singleton reminds me right now you remember the way he was early last season he hit a couple big runs and then it didn't look like he wanted to hit holes too badly like he he wasn't real comfortable running inside and then he turned it around kind of in mid-season and he was really slamming into holes uh and he changed. He reminds me right now, uh, I don't know if you've watched Michigan, but Donovan Edwards as a changeup back is not doing well either. He's doing the same thing, kind of hesitating at the line where, where Blake Corum has no problem running inside. Donovan Edwards only has like 110 yards this year in, in all this action. And 
he's only averaging about two two point eight or three yards a carry, and he he just doesn't look too eager to stick his nose in there. And it's hard, man. It's a tough job. Maybe you want to pace yourself for the big games. I don't know if you can do that, but he does have help. So uh, maybe he just doesn't want to get beat up and save himself for Ohio State. Maybe he can do it. I'm not sure, but he doesn't look this like the same guy we saw at the end of last season. You're right. Yeah, and I think I think uh, you know you, you almost try and do too much after you've had a big year and you're thinking too much. You're trying to make every every game, you know, 15 or 20 yards. Where if you're going to run north south, you know, the, you remember Terrell Davis with the Broncos. His offense, Shanahan's offense, was. Hey, it's one cut and go. That's it. You're not making two or three cuts. You're going to get up the field. If you're not going to do that, we're going to bring in the backup and the guy behind him. And you, it's a very simple style, but you cannot think too much about it. You just have to your, your first instinct and go. And that's and I think that's what I think that's what maybe Nick Nicholas can do well. It's when you try and bounce a play when the hole isn't maybe where you where you wanted it to be. And I and there is there is I think a uh, a skill to that. And I think. I think Katron is a little bit more advanced right now, and, and I, I when when Nick is at his best, you know, it's he sees the opening, doesn't hesitate, he accelerates, and once he once he gets in the once he gets in the clear, it's tough to catch him. But it, it's it's seeing the hole and hitting it. I think I'd like to see him maybe do that a little bit better. Well, it's easy for us to say to hit the hole because when you when you you get southbound real fast and then you get hit, right? You know, you remember that. Uh, I think Katron Allen's a little bit better built to handle that physically than Nicholas Singleton is. But I'm curious what you think about the wideout situation because they didn't go deep at all against Iowa. They didn't need to. Uh, they didn't hit a pass longer than 14 yards, I don't think, the entire game. They never went deep. And that's okay, but I don't know if they have a guy who can take a top of a defense in this team unless Malik McLean starts getting some touches and some targets. Uh, Lambert Smith, I don't think Lambert Smith's a number one receiver. I don't think they have one. And that that is more worrisome to me than anything else. Uh, James talked about it. The Iowa corners played well off the, the piece. They, they did. And they never, they, never really, they never really got away from that. In the Illinois game, uh, they, Illinois for a lot, a lot of plays, they had a safety at least 20 yards deep. Um, these are not excuses, but I think Penn State's at the point where they know that they just need to do what 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 is there with this defense to win the game. I don't think they're going to force anything down the field. To your point, I think other than Keandre, um, there isn't really a true deep threat that scares uh, another team. I think Harrison Wallace can help, but he's more of a, a guy that can be a contested catch down the field jump ball guy. Um, I think they're going to get better, but I don't even. I'm trying to think in my Dave. I I don't even know that Drew. I think he's maybe even try a try to deep pass, maybe three or four times this whole season. And James doesn't sound worried about it, but you know when the waters get deeper, when they have to face some defenses where they're going to need. It's easy to go when you have 97 snaps against Iowa. It's easy to be patient, right? Because you could see them being gassed, but. When the other when the other guy can score twenty or thirty points in a game and you're down, can you really afford to be patient and try and grind it grind it out in a fifteen play drive? At some point, they're going to have to they're going to have to stretch the field, and I think that is a component that's been missing. I, I want to see if this is going to be 
the same all year or, or there's going to be some explosive plays. I also, Dave, I don't think it helps that teams are necessarily – they're not getting a lot. They're not making any big gains on the ground. So I think if you're a team, let hey, let them go 15 plays in eight, you know, 85 yards in 15 plays and see if they mess up. Because they're, why would you, why would you even allow them to throw deep? Yeah, and I think they respect Aller. I mean, any DC can look at Aller and what he can do, and he's going to say, "Play off, <laughs> let him have the underneath Don't stuff." Because he can certainly air it out, and I mean, you you, you got to make him work for it and uh, hope for some penalties, help for some negative plays in in the running game. And I think I think it's a little of both. I think it's they they are looking for another receiver to step up, but I also think. I don't want to say the running game is underwhelmed, but it's just it's just not the same. It's not the same running game that we saw last year. And it's it's, you know, given the offensive line, I don't think it's the problem. I think they have a pretty good tight end room. So at some point, and I'll tell you what, Dave, if, if they can't if they can't get on track against this northwestern front, I don't know that there's gonna be any getting on track for the rest of the year. I think it's just gonna be Slow and steady. I think that's what well. There's an, it's a no-win situation because if they do, everyone's going to say, "Well, it's Northwestern. What does it mean?" But but still, it's useful to do it. Yeah, and I think it would do wonders for maybe their confidence of a guy like Singleton. I think he needs he needs to know that he gets that he could still be that presence, even if it's against uh, Northwestern, because he had the big runs against Ohio in Week Two, and you're like, "Well, it was Ohio," and then he did the same thing at Auburn, and I don't know, maybe he got a lift from that, but. You just have not seen any any anything really that close to the 2022 version. I, I just wonder what's going to happen. Illinois is one thing. Iowa is another thing. These are not defenses, not this year with Illinois, that can do anything but what they did. They've got to play off. Ohio State does not have to. They've got a really, really good secondary. And they're, very, they're a defense a lot like, Penn State's in that they're really fast. I don't know if they can handle Michigan up the gut, and I don't know if Penn State can either, for that matter. I think you're a little bit more optimistic about that than I am. But but Ohio State can press and coverage. They can get up on you and say, can you go deep on us? Can you go across the middle on us? Because their secondary is of Penn State's caliber. They're really, really good. I don't know if you watched the Notre Dame game, but, man, what what you can do against Ohio State is, I think, is gash them. Notre Dame did. Uh, I don't think their defensive front is all that great. And I know we're we're kind of discounting Northwestern, but I mean, what do we got here? Northwestern, a bye week in Massachusetts. We might as well start looking at Ohio State because that this this is the game they need, and I think Ohio State is vulnerable, and I think they can beat them even in the shoe. I predicted that they're going to win. I just think they they need to get their deep deep threats in order. And I would love to see Malik McClain. I don't think Dante Cephas is that guy. He's a possession receiver. I'd love to see Malik McClain catch a long ball or two or four in this game. I think since we talked a little bit about what's not necessarily gelling for Ohio State's offense, I want to go back to uh, something that really surfaced in the Iowa game that I think will serve Penn State well the rest of the way, but especially in the Ohio State and Michigan games. You look at the games that they've lost, they've lost a bunch of them against Ohio State and Michigan. But one thing that's always kind of stuck out to me is, you know, Penn State in short yardage situations, whether it's third and two, third and three, or it's fourth and a long two, I don't remember them either 
trying to go forward on fourth down or actually getting the third and third. I mean, you know, it's been a, they've not been very good in short yardage. And even though the running game isn't great, that fourth down play that they have now, um, I think it's a difference maker because I don't know that it's easy to stop fourth and one when the quarterback's 6'5", 240, and he's getting that push from a 260-pound tight end. And Dave, it, it extends drives. It keeps the other guy off the field. It wears out the other defense, and it allows Penn State to maybe – they don't really have to trust the shaky kicking game if they're going to get long drives that result in touchdowns. If they can get into a fourth and one or third and two, they are much better equipped to convert short yardage situations. And I thought, you know, especially against Michigan out in, out in Michigan when they get walloped, they never could get a lead in those games. They're always playing from behind, and they never force Michigan to have to do what they don't want to do, which is probably throw the ball, and even against Ohio State. So you keep the Ohio State offense off the field. You force Michigan's offense to throw the ball if you can get a lead in those games. And I think if you look at what they're doing on third and fourth down, the short yardage stuff I think is definitely working in Penn State's favor, and that's one thing I think that's been a bright spot as this season's unfolded. And I think they're the one team in the, of the big three that might be in the best shape of all of them. I don't, in that in that regard, I don't think Michigan is quite the defensive front that they've been. I haven't seen like an overpowering defensive front there. Uh, they're good. They're really good, but they don't look as fearsome as they have before. And Ohio State's defense, while they're really fast, and I think they're really good overall. I don't think they're any different up front either. This is the year when Penn State can get them, and this is also the year where Penn – you remember, remember under Moorhead, I mean, they didn't even go under center. Yeah. Remember that? Hurt, it hurt them in short yardage. Yeah, bad, yeah. Very bad. They, didn't, they had a little quarterback, and they didn't have Barkley. While he's, he's can do a lot of things, he wasn't a power back that you could, you could run out of that set. So – I, I think arguably Catron Allen might be a better power back than even Barkley was. I, I, would you say that or not? Yeah, and it was the whole the whole not under center and the mesh point was if it was if he just delayed it a little bit, the guy's waiting for Barkley, you know, three yards in the backfield. He he literally on a lot of plays never ever had a chance to get that. There ball. were there were very important moments in that 2017 Ohio State game at the shoe, where if they could have done that, if they could have converted. Uh, third and two, fourth and one, they win the game. Uh, they've got a better offensive line now than they did line then. I don't know if it's considerably better, but it's certainly better than that line or better than any line they've had so far where they got overwhelmed at Michigan the last couple trips in there. This is not that anymore. So they can they can hope to make those plays. I I wonder if they're good enough in the interior to – get those fourth and ones. If they're not, if it's like fourth and two, then they get a problem. So we will see. All right. It's pick time. What's the pick? In honor of, uh, did you, did you notice that the 25 11 game was, um, the Eagles game. Eagles. Yeah. Box, yeah. Have, have, have you heard of score Oh no. I know. Do you know what this is? About this. Was that yeah. one of those scores? It had never been done in the NFL. So what, I'm what, sitting there, what are we down to? Like how many scores are left? Well, there's there's many scoragamis, but they're they all involve eleven or twenty, you know, eighteen or twenty-five or four, of course. Scoragami is a final score that's never happened before in the NFL, right? 
Is that what you're 25 to 11, which seems like a modest score. It's not crazy like 70 to 20. Well, they had two scoregamis <laughs> in one day in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, but, are you going to score a this game? I'm going to score a this game. I'm going to call it uh, 39 to 2. Uh, Penn oh. State. <laughs> oh. Man. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but 39 to 2. Yeah. Well, that's, maybe it's a bad snap on a punt. Yeah, right. something like that. All right. 39 2. So under and Penn State covers. Uh, I have it 38 10, Penn State. Um, and I'm I just really curious to see. Honestly, I Penn State, Penn State, especially, you know, I don't the running game needs to get some juice. Like it, it's it's one thing if at the end of the game they've run it 50 times for 260 yards. That looks great as a stat, but they don't have an neither Singleton or Allen has a run of 20 or more yards. These guys need to need need to, you know, kind of get synced up. They need to have a little success because, as you said, it's not about, you know, they got a bye week and then they got UMass. It's not about that. Late October and November could get a little tricky for this Penn State offense as it gets colder. And they need to get the big play back in the running game. I hope both those guys uh, can kind of get comfortable. I think they they should both go over 100 yards, Dave. I don't know if they will, but there's no reason they shouldn't. I got it 38-10 Penn State. That that running game needs juiced. Say it like Mid-State, man. <laughs> Somewhere out there, there is like 15 guys in Pennsylvania that sound exactly like that. And I don't know, I don't know if they know we're talking about them. <laughs> they never know. They never know. Uh, so have a good trip out to Chicago. I'm not making this one either. I made that deal with Des Moines so in, in March. So have a have a great time. And know I know you love Chicago. All right. Thanks, man. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.